cash is a terrible analogy because cash uh, does actually have a, t- a utilitarian tax, and that you're and that's inflation. So right now you're getting two to three percent inflation. If you're lucky, it's actually closer to one percent. But the price of commodities is going up 20, 30, 40, 50 percent. So what you're paying for at the grocery store is far less than the dividend, the yield that you are receiving. Uh, so yield right now is just not worth it. You are um, not worth chasing yield at the moment in banks or in um, legacy finance because we are in, yeah, we're just share markets are overinflated and commodities and inflation is taking off for the first time in decades. Welcome to Bitcoin Basics with your hosts, Faris and Gordon. Visit bitcoinbasics.help if you need help buying and securing your Bitcoin. Join our Bitcoin Basics community in our new Telegram group at bitcoinbasics.help slash telegram. No ads, no altcoins, shitcoins, no other nonsense, only Bitcoin information, education and discussion at bitcoinbasics.help slash telegram. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Bitcoin Basics podcast. Ferris here with co-host Gordon. It is the 1st of March today, and the price of Bitcoin is $43,410. The block height is $725,359. And Gordon's favorite, Bitcoin price in gold is 22.8 ounces. Gordon, how are you doing? Why do you say it's my favorite? I don't care about the Bitcoin price and gold. Um, oh, you do care. Try not to act like you're cool. No, I'm, I'm, I care about Satoshis, how much uh, $1, how many Satoshis are $1. But anyway, uh, yeah, new location. I, knew I forgot one. Um, that's all right, Faris. New location for me. Um, for those, well, probably no one who remembers, the room may look familiar. But anyway, we'll go past that. So we've got a, another listener question. And if you have a question, head across to bitcoinbasics.help. There's a big red button called ask, and you can record your own question. Now, today's question was actually emailed to us by Pete, and I asked him to record it. And uh, I'll play the recording, and you can tell me if this sounds like a voice of Pete. I see Bitcoin as an investment and thus similar to some other investments, my intended holding period is forever as I don't see the point of giving up a substantial amount of Bitcoin to CGT or capital gains tax. This, however, introduces a couple of issues. One, first is the lack of any yield or interest. I know it's possible to stake your Bitcoins where they are lent to short sellers, but I'm wondering how safe this is, who is reputable in this space and what the returns are. Two, The second issue is that BTC is hard to use as collateral to borrow against. I'm not necessarily referring to using the loan to buy more BTC. I'd like to use my BTC as collateral to buy other assets or simply to use it as I wish. I know that similar to shares, it's possible to take out a margin loan. However, the issue there is a margin call, which could force you to sell your Bitcoin at the worst possible time. And with roughly 80 to 90% retracements, not uncommon with BTC. A margin loan, unless it's for less than, say, 3 to 5%, just doesn't make much sense, and even then I don't see it as a great option. I would love to know if there is a way to borrow against Bitcoin without margin calls. To put it another way, using real estate terminology, is there a way to access the equity in my BTC? 3. Another question that comes to mind, 
is whether it is possible for the moving of Bitcoin from one wallet to another or from one address to another with both belonging to the same owner to attract CGT. What if the owner of the address can't be proven or what if it's a non-KYC address? If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like and share so we can find others like yourself. Okay, thanks, Pete. Interesting voice. Um, Pete's a long-term investor, so he's going to hodl forever and there's no GST on that. But I guess the first question is, Faris, and this is what a lot of people say, Bitcoin is great. I'm happy with my 3,000% Bitcoin gains, but that's not enough. I need yield on my Bitcoin. So I guess the the, the first thing is, um, is there yield on Bitcoin? And if you can get yield on Bitcoin, how would we do it safely? Uh, so yes and no. So yield on Bitcoin, and this is where I'll just use the analogy of gold or even a house. Um, so you can't access equity in a house unless you get another loan or you sell the property. So Bitcoin very much the same way. I'll talk later about, because uh, Pete does mention this, how to put up your Bitcoin as collateral. But no, you cannot just get straightforward yield on your Bitcoin. Like gold, um, the only way you can access um any short-term interest is if you sell it, which is a capital gain, not a yield. Uh, he Pete does mention this. You can lend it to um, platforms like Bitfinex or Binance. So you lend them your Bitcoin. They, in turn, sell it to short sellers. Um, so that is obviously a risky strategy because you are taking your Bitcoin uh, and putting it into the custody of Bitfinex and Binance. Um and you do get paid an interest on that. Uh, BlockFi is another company where um, you can lend them your Bitcoins and they will pay you an interest. Uh, if you go to um, DeFi rate, D-E-F-I rate.com, that'll actually show you the lending rates for Bitcoins and all the places that you can go to. But again, it's uh, the risk involved there is you are relinquishing control of relinquishing custody of your Bitcoins to make that return. And look, there are some huge businesses behind this. Uh, Gemini, Coinbase, uh, Mark Yusko, who we've had on the shows, invested behind this. And yeah, Gemini is the one that's run by the Winklevoss brothers. So it's not like these are you know garage enterprises who you're lending your Bitcoin to. These are recognized um, companies out there. So we're not all investors, Faris. Tell us what yield is and why doesn't Bitcoin have yield? Uh, so yield is something where you get a return on something without selling the asset itself. So if you own a property as a landlord, the rent you're receiving is called yield. If you own a property as a homeowner, you're living in said property, then you don't get a yield. If you put money in a term deposit, the yield is what you get per month. So if you put 100 grand in and the yield is 2% a year, you get two grand a year. So the yield is what you get without selling a product, something that is um, a safe haven asset like gold and Bitcoin at the moment do not return a yield um, unless you obviously put Bitcoin up with an exchange. So just by holding it and owning it, it doesn't create a return unless you sell it. So yield is something where you don't have to sell it. You're putting a third card, a third party is borrowing it from you and they're paying you to hold it for you. Yeah, so a lot of people are used to stocks and shares. So in effect, you have a share that 
you know, um, goes up and down or whatever. But um, is that the same as a company stock um, giving, uh, you know, quarterly or yearly dividends? So dividends, yes and no. Dividends can fluctuate in price. So when you are signing up for a term deposit, they'll tell you what the interest rate is when you sign. And that won't that won't change over the term of the contract. With dividend uh, banks shares, they can be different. They can actually fluctuate. Um, banks in Australia offer a very high dividend. Uh, this is why a lot whenever there's a, a correction in the real estate, uh, sorry, in the share market in Australia, banks tend to rebound pretty quickly because people buy them for their yield as in their dividend. So yes, they do have a yield that that is a yield, but it is in the dividend is when you get what you get paid at the end of the quarter, but that can fluctuate as well. So with that, you are buying the shares and by holding on to the shares, you do get paid a dividend or a yield. So it is the dividend is usually much lower than what you get in a capital gain. So um, for example, like with cash is a terrible analogy because cash uh, does actually have a, t- a utilitarian tax and that you're and that's inflation. So right now you're getting two to three percent inflation if you're lucky. It's actually closer to one percent, but the price of commodities is going up 20, 30, 40, 50 percent. So what you're paying for at the grocery store is far less than the dividend, the yield that you are receiving. Uh, so yield right now is just not worth it. You are um, not worth chasing yield at the moment in banks or in um, legacy finance because we are in, yeah, we're just share markets are overinflated and commodities and inflation is taking off for the first time in decades. So, what you're saying is um, be content and happy with the 3,000, 1,000, 100,000, whatever percent gains of Bitcoin, although not recently. Be happy with the Bitcoin gains. Don't try and chase a four or five percent um, yield at some of the companies that you mentioned, um, because I mean, well, you know me—not your coins, not your bitcoins. Um, you're giving up custody of Bitcoin to chase that yield if you put into BlockFi or some of these companies that you mentioned. Yeah, so there is that risk, and the risk is, um, you know, those coins can get hacked; um, they can be stolen. There is that risk. Um, I know some people who got into Bitcoin pretty early will do that simply because they can afford to. Um, and they are investors in those companies. So again, there's some really reputable names behind this, like uh, Simon Dixon, for one, Mark Yusko, the Winklevoss brothers. They have put their credibility on the line by investing in this. And they'll go out and say, I'm doing this with my own money, but you know, treat your money as your own. And we do the same thing here. So it is whole... <sighs> Living off of Bitcoin is stressful. Um, And the other part of this, so if we move on to the next part, is what happens if you use Bitcoin as collateral? So you say, okay, I actually bought some Bitcoin and it's just sitting there. I want to use it. So say, for example, you want to buy a house, but you don't want to sell your Bitcoins. Can you use your Bitcoins as collateral? The answer is yes, you can. But the risk there is you are, let's say you're, so Bitcoin right now is trading at $40,000, rounding up, down. Uh, and you want to borrow four hundred thousand to buy a property. So you'll put up uh, one. Say you'll put up one bitcoin. Uh, say you put up. Sorry, you put up two bitcoins to borrow four hundred thousand dollars. So that is you're borrowing eighty percent. 
Uh, that's normal in banking. You borrow 80, 80%, anything above that, um, and you're triggering insurance and uh, you have to buy insurance. And it's, it's a bit more risky simply because banks don't see a 20% correction, correction in real estate. So they'll happily lend you 80%, anything above 80%, and it gets a bit trickier. So let's say you want to borrow $400,000 and you put up two Bitcoins as collateral. So the problem there is that you're putting up Bitcoin as collateral and then you're borrowing in US dollars or you're borrowing in dollars. So if the price of Bitcoin goes down, um, those two Bitcoins you put up as collateral were originally worth 80,000. Well, now if Bitcoin goes down 10%, they're now worth 72,000. You've got to now come up with extra. So you actually have to feed that loan. So that's the problem that you have, and that is a margin call that Pete's referring to, is that if the price of Bitcoin in dollars gets below a certain threshold, then you've got to um, feed that loan. This what doesn't happen in standard legacy banking, because um, unless the value of your property drops below 20%, then the bank might do something. Um, but even then, that, that's rare. So long as you pay your home loan, you're fine. But with this one, the problem is you're putting up Bitcoin and borrowing US dollars. US dollars won't fluctuate against US dollars, but Bitcoin will fluctuate. So the way they need to do this right now is you need to put up Bitcoin to borrow Bitcoin. So that way, if you're borrowing Bitcoins, the big Bitcoins go down in value, then it's basically on, on par. It's not a seesaw effect where one goes up, the other goes down. So the problem that we have now is that you're putting up Bitcoin to borrow US dollars. Bitcoin fluctuates immensely. So you could borrow um, at, you know, say, borrow US dollars and say Bitcoin has a 60, 70% correction, which it does. You've then got to feed that loan or they're going to foreclose on whatever it is you bought. You don't want to do that. So it is early days. What we need to see is loans um, in the same asset class. So Bitcoin loan for a Bitcoin borrowing, Big, sorry, Bitcoin collateral for a Bitcoin loan. But right now we're having Bitcoin collateral for a dollar loan. And that's just, that's just going to cause heartache. Uh, you will get margin calls if Bitcoin, if the price of Bitcoin drops, which it does. I hope that makes sense, Gordon. Uh, it does. I was just going to ask you about that, but you answered my own question. Um, yeah, you're borrowing a fairly stable, or, or we could argue whether fiat currency is stable, but you're borrowing a fairly stable um, asset, well, currency with an underlying asset as collateral that's extremely volatile. So um, that is the issue. Um, I hope we've answered your question, Pete. We have one part to go, which we'll answer in a second. But before we move on to that, Faris, anything else in terms of using BTC for yield or as collateral to buy other assets? Uh, look, it would come down to this. I would be comfortable doing it if it, I had a stack of Bitcoins and I go, okay, these Bitcoins here, I'm happy to put aside. And if I lose them, I lose them. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's still early days in this industry. I would be more comfortable with a margin loan that was BTC to BTC and not BTC to dollar. Um, but yeah, I, the way I look at it is... Why would you do it? And the reason you do it is if, yeah, you've got a lot of equity and rather than sell your Bitcoins, you want to get a yield. But that's speaking to a very small amount of people out there. And that's people who are comfortable losing their Bitcoins. And 
yeah, that's that's not where I'm at. Um, I think there's still a lot of room for improvement in this industry. It's great that it's there. It has grown immensely. But yeah, I'm still a bit dubious about getting in um, just simply because a 5% yield on my Bitcoin is not me, is not worth me losing my Bitcoin or getting in a margin call. And when I say losing, it could be due to a margin call or just uh, third custody um, taking control of my Bitcoins. Third party. Couldn't sorry. agree more. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Ferris, and just this obsession with this 4 or 5% yield. And, and maybe what you're talking about um, uses BTC as collateral and stuff like that. That's for throwaway Bitcoin. You know, that's the Bitcoin mm. you find, uh, rich people find, you know, under the couch or whatever. But for the rest of us, just leave it in your hardware wallet or have a Bitcoin custody solution, which includes estate planning and, and tax and all that kind of stuff as well. Mm -hmm. um, have that. Don't worry about the 4 or 5% yield that you're missing out on. Um, just enjoy the you know million dollar Bitcoin in five or ten years time, and don't worry about it. And just remember, he's he was talking a lot about um, capital gains tax and stuff like that. We never give a financial or uh, accounting advice; that would be absolutely ridiculous. But in most jurisdictions, at least for now, could change in the future. If you don't sell your Bitcoin, there's no tax to pay. So keep that in mind. Yeah, so that actually segues us into the next question, which is what happens if you move Bitcoin from one address to another? Um, so with that, Pete, it really, again, um, seek advice from your accountant. But from my understanding is, what are you doing it for? Are you gifting it to a third party or are you purchasing an item from them? Because if you get audited, they'll say, okay, you have these Bitcoins. Did you sell them? Where are they? And you know, it is on the blockchain. You can They can see that it, they did move. Where did they move to? Was it a gift to that third party? Um, where is that third party's jurisdiction? Are they in a jurisdiction where receiving a gift is a taxable event for them? So it there's a lot of ifs in that one is what was the nature of you moving it from one address to another? Um, did you receive anything in kind? And what, you know, is it if it's not a tax event for you, is it a tax event for them? So it's something worth talking to an accountant about. Yeah, and again, of course, Faris, hashtag not financial or accounting advice, but certainly in the jurisdiction that I'm in, possibly where you are, Faris, as well, um, withdrawing Bitcoin from an exchange. So let's say you have Bitcoin on Binance and you're withdrawing Bitcoin from Binance to your hardware wallet. That's a transaction. That's a transaction on the blockchain. You're not selling Bitcoin. You're just transferring it from an exchange, one wallet, to your hardware wallet, another wallet. The tax office considers that a taxable event. So they consider that a sell, at least in most Western jurisdictions. And the reason behind that is that they don't know where that Bitcoin is then going to go afterwards. So um, the US especially is being cracking down on that. So that's something to consider. The second, and of course, speak to your accountant. The second thing and that Pete asked, which was pretty interesting, was um, yeah, the same owner having different addresses. So you're not sending it to different people. You're actually sending it to yourself. And um, I think... From a, an accounting, from a technical point of view, you can create as many Bitcoin addresses as you want. Just like you could create, say, 10 Gmail addresses for free and you can send emails to yourself, but it's really the same person. I think, and of course, not financial or tax advice, I think there wouldn't see any difference between whether you had 100 addresses or one address, it's still your address effectively. Now, that on the blockchain, you know, um, you mentioned plausible deniability, like how could you prove that? You know, I'm not sending it to someone else or whatever. 
that's a different issue and that kind of depends on jurisdictions but yeah there's a there's sort of a technical side which is the blockchain you can have as many addresses as you want you can send and receive to yourself but then there's the actual you know well what what does the government think do they see a distinction between Pete's um, wallet on Binance, Pete's wallet on Coinbase, and Pete's wallet, you know, in a hardware wallet. You can send receipt between the three of them, but I think you'll find that the government thinks that they're all the same thing. They're all the same person. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's still early days for Bitcoin, and governments are still trying to catch up on understanding Bitcoin, and so. Yeah, I think up until what, four years ago, Gordon, the privacy laws that applied to Facebook were written in 1986. So it takes a long time for government to catch up with tech. Yeah, oh, that's an understatement. <laughs> um, so I think that's it for us. Uh, last tip, Pete mentioned a word called plausible deniability, which we won't go into now, but um, there are actually ways on hardware wallets where you can achieve plausible deniability. Um whether you want to hide that from the government or whether you want to hide that from, um, which we wouldn't encourage, of course, or from attackers or someone putting a gun to your head, you can actually create hidden wallets and 25th seeds and all this kind of stuff. So we won't get into that now, but yeah, if you've got a hardware wallet, have a look into hidden wallets. Tip of the day, Ferris. Excellent. Well, thanks again, Pete. And if you are like Pete and have a question and you want it recorded in a female's voice, head across to bitcoinbasics.help. There's a big ask button, or you can go to bitcoinbasics.help slash ask and uh, ask your question. There's no question that uh, we won't attempt to answer. We're not lawyers or tax, tax advisors, but we can certainly point you in the right direction. And uh, if you have a hardware wallet or you're thinking, oh, wow, um, I really need to get my Bitcoins off an exchange. I need to get them into cold storage. I need to actually take ownership of my Bitcoins. Um, head across to bitcoinbasics.help as well. And we have a help desk and we can help you out with all the InfoSec cybersecurity best practices on how to do that. Cool. And thank you again for submitting the question, Pete. And if we haven't answered it, if there's any follow-up, yeah, as Gordon said, please hit us up. Thanks for watching or listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe and share so we can spread this educational content to others like yourself visit bitcoinbasics.help. Disclaimer, any content provided by CoinCompass is for educational and informational purposes only and is not investment, legal, tax, or any other professional advice. A qualified professional should be consulted before making any financial decisions. CoinCompass will at times recommend certain products, services, and technologies, but these are opinions based upon our own or podcast guests' experience and not endorsements. We take no liability for out-of-date or inaccurate information, software bugs, manufacturing errors, technology misuse, or issues involving third parties. Visit coincompass.com for more information and please contact us.